Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Decided that record is red. I don't know. Red means stop, but it actually for us means go. That's true. <laughs> red means where the hell did you get that banana? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Green means hold on. <laughs> Yellow means go ahead. <laughs> red means where the hell did you get that banana at? <laughs> yeah. I feel like recently we've shifted from making a whitest kids reference in every episode to making a mitch hedberg reference yeah. in every episode which is fine you know nice mm-hmm. to spice it up just yeah. steal our jokes from somebody else for a change right some other dead comedian <laughs> oh ouch sad mm-hmm. i know somebody posted uh trevor moore twitter quote the other day talking about home alone yeah <laughs> and i had to be like listen i love trevor moore but i have a hot take i do not agree no, he's wrong. Yeah, he's absolutely wrong. He said that Kevin could have called the police at any time and he just wanted to hurt those men. No, he tried to call the police, uh-huh. but the phone lines were down. Yeah, the phone lines were down at first. And also, he thought that he made his family disappear. Also true. And so he thought he was going to be in trouble. Yeah. Well, and it, when he dealt with joe pesci at the beginning he's dressed like a cop and then he sees him again so he's probably like the cops are in on it you know i can't trust him so he had a lot of things he it was his house and he was gonna defend it those men could have left at any time yeah trevor so i agree he's uh wrong on that one swing and a miss yeah sorry buddy so yeah here we are we're recording an episode yeah uh because the red button and all that. Because <laughs> it, it said I had to. Yeah, we didn't have a choice. It just turns on. What color would you make it? Mm, neon pink. Oh. To get you hype. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Should be at least, at the very least, customizable. One of my clients the other day is somebody that you did roller derby with. Oh. And she said that she listens to our podcast. Oh. And she didn't realize that it was you and I on it. Oh. <laughs> like she didn't know it was me. Yeah. And I was like, yeah, I'm the sleepy one. <laughs> yeah. It was funny to be in the salon and go, well, I'm Bucket Snake. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, now this is the wrong oh. wrong venue for this. Yeah, that would feel weird. <laughs> yeah. That's funny that she knows both of us from completely mm-hmm. separate things. And it's like, oh, and yeah. I listen to yeah. That's so funny. I love that. I know. Well, hi. Hello. You, friend. Oh, not you. Oh. Your client. Uh, yeah. Hello. Hey, <laughs> you, Bucket Snake. <laughs> oh, okay. So here we are in the cave where I am Bucket Snake and it feels appropriate and you are a meat wedge and it feels appropriate. Appropriate, yeah, as appropriate as it can. What are we talking about this week? Meat wedge always feels a little weird. We are talking about <laughs> November 1983. 
pop culture. Yes. I didn't know they had pop culture back then. I thought it was invented with us. Yeah, exactly. They were like, shit, these cool babies have arrived. <laughs> we should probably make some stuff for them to enjoy. Yeah, think of something cool to do. Like what? Well, I don't know, man. You tell me. What what were people doing? What were they singing? Let's start with that. I feel like pop culture always, for me, is like, okay, what was the music? Yeah, what was on the radio? Yeah. Uh, Michael Jackson's Thriller came out November 2nd, which, like, yeah, yeah. unfortunate circumstances, obviously. Terrible human being, but also a very troubled human being. Yeah. Unfortunate. All around for everyone. Yeah. Cool music video, though. <laughs> the whole album's just really good. Yeah. <laughs> like, damn. And, yeah, the music video is great. And, you know, Vincent Price is in it. It's just tight. So I didn't realize when I was reading about the songs and music of November 1983 that earlier that year, the song The Girl Is Mine came out. Yeah. And it's a duet with Paul, Paul McCartney. McCartney. I had yeah. no idea that happened. Yeah. It's wild. Is The Boy Is Mine, like the um, Brandy and Monica song, a remake of that? No, totally different oh, song. okay. I was like, that would be so weird. Yeah, it'd be super weird. <laughs> and also weird that The Boy Is Mine ended up being the more popular one or the yeah. more like remembered one i guess I don't yeah know. but anyway yeah i had no idea that michael jackson and paul mccartney even knew each other <laughs> yeah <laughs> well then didn't michael jackson buy all the rights to the beatles songs oh i don't After know very courtney love of him yeah what if brandy and monica were fighting over paul mccartney <laughs> <laughs> that's cute <laughs> That would be cute. It would be. This crusty old white man is mine. <laughs> I would never. I do not have the energy to fight somebody over somebody else. Somebody was like, um, excuse me, no. I'm, I'd be like, all right, you can fucking have him. I know. Because clearly he knew he was dating two people. So. Right. <sighs> I know. My He's clients yours, tell me about their love triangle sometimes. And I'm like, why? <laughs> Who has the time? And the energy. Yeah, it's exhausting. Anyway, back to 1983 when we weren't born yet. Yeah, some other songs that were on the radio during this month. Owner of a Lonely Heart by Yes. You forgot the exclamation point. Yes! <laughs> don't they have an exclamation point? Like wham? I don't think so. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> it's actually a question mark. Yes? Oh, yeah. No! Uh, no! No! Their rifle band, no. <laughs> Do you think when they came up with that band name, they were like, how has no one thought of this? Mate, probably. Yes isn't taken. It was so much easier back then. That's true. The who? <laughs> the what? <laughs> uh, 2,000 Miles by The Pretenders came mm-hmm. out. Mm-hmm. Karma Chameleon by Culture Club. Yep. Uptown Girl by Billy Joel. Love it. Total Eclipse of the Heart by Bonnie Tyler. Hell yeah. Come on, feel the noise uh, with a Z by Quiet Riot. And Red Red Wine by UB40, which I did not realize was that old. Yeah. Also, like, I didn't know that come was spelled that way. Yeah. <laughs> and come on, feel the noise. <laughs> yeah. They were like, we're so edgy. God, 1983 is inappropriate. It is. It was a wild time. Lawless. <laughs> Lawless time. Total Eclipse of the Heart is the one that's like, starts out like, turn around. Every now and then I get a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That, those are the lyrics. Somebody told me, I'm pretty sure it's that song. That it was supposed originally written for like a vampire opera. Oh. And it was supposed to be that was supposed to be like the song. Yeah. For like this vampire. I would watch that. I, right? Yeah. Absolutely. Like ruffled shirts in that song. Yeah. Long hair. Pointy teeth. 
I'm just describing a vampire <laughs> musical. Oh, now. wait, this is just sorry. Vampires. I <laughs> one of my friends recently was um talking about how his kid is getting into vampires. She's like really into it right now, and I was like, Oh damn, let me get you some material. <laughs> <laughs> let me get you some of the stuff that I read as a youth. Yeah, you that really got me into the Go into your house into the file under V yeah. vampire. <laughs> for vampire. <laughs> Speaking of Quiet Riot. Mm-hmm. Their album, Metal Health, which is just a super solid name. Hell yeah. For an album. Yeah. Became the first heavy metal album to hit number one in America in November of 1983. That's an interesting definition of heavy metal. Yeah. Well, 1983. Heavy I know. Metal. It was as heavy as it got. Yeah. When all the dudes looked like ladies. Which is like, I know that's mm-hmm. not like exactly the time period, but the song Dude Looks Like a Lady cracks me up so much because they wrote it about Vince Neil of Motley oh. Crue because they saw him at a bar and they were like that's a hot chick and they're like wait that's our friend Vince but and I'm like you all look you like all, ladies yeah every single one of you Steven Tyler that, looks that, like a grandma right now I was now. gonna say that's Aerosmith right yeah, yeah. that's uh, Steven Tyler looks like, a grandma. like every single one of you looks like ladies which is great yeah it's fine but how are you gonna single out Vince Neil <laughs> <laughs> when y'all look like that y'all all look like that yeah I looked up the Rolling Stone covers for November 1983. Oh, yeah. And one of them was Mick Jagger and the other was uh, Boy George. Aw. Yeah. That's cute. very cute. And it was super 80s. Oh, yeah. I mean, just like. I mean, Boy George is pretty much like, he just looks like the 80s. Yeah. Like the bandana, like the long bandana and the big hair and the makeup. Yeah. And I was just like, hell yeah. Hell Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, some other albums that came out, Rebel Yell by Billy Idol, Bark at the Moon by Ozzy Osbourne, and the very first Now That's What I Call Music was released in the UK, because nice. they've been doing it a lot longer than we have, mm-hmm. which is wild. We didn't catch on until 15 years later. Yeah. So they're on like number 100 and something or whatever. Yeah. And I was like, wait a minute. No, I have the first Now CD. Mm-hmm. It's got Harvey Dadinger on it. Yeah, the point yeah, didn't come out yeah. in 1983, but for most of the month, the number one song was All Night Long. All Night by Lionel Richie. <laughs> All Night Long is way too long. <laughs> I need to go to bed. <laughs> you say something sexy like, I should go to bed. I've got work in the morning. <laughs> yeah. The For the first week, the number one song was Islands in the Stream by Dolly Parton and Kenny Rogers, which I've never heard. Nice. Rest of the month, all month long. <laughs> it's Lionel Richie. Good job, Lionel. Proud of you. Yeah. The top movies. The movies that came out in November of 1983. We have Testament, Running Brave, which is a Walt Disney movie that I've never heard of. What? Yeah. Deal of the Century, Savage Islands, A Night in Heaven. Oh boy. Amityville 3D. Yeah. They have 3D in 1983? <laughs> it's not good. Oh, man. I know I keep bringing this up, but for Halloween, my boyfriend and I watched all of the Nightmare on Elm Street movies, right? Yeah. And the sixth one has, like, a portion of it that's in 3D, and mm. it comes with just, like, little 3D glasses, oh. like the red and blue. And, like, I have a picture of Business Goose suffering through <laughs> the 3D portion. He's just, like, hunched over, like, chin on his hand, just like, what? what? It's Were awful. Were you wearing the so glasses? Bad. Yeah nice yeah the full experience oh yeah i was like come on we gotta it's just whew, one of the worst movies i've ever seen also a christmas story i don't know if you've if we've mentioned that <laughs> nope another movie called of unknown origin <laughs> who 
made this movie? I don't know. I have no idea. Warner Brothers. In Terms of Endearment. Yeah. Those were all released that year and month. And Sleepaway Camp. Yeah, that was not on this list. Weird. I don't know. Maybe, Maybe. it wasn't like big enough. Maybe I made that up. Yeah, uh, I have not heard of most of those movies. I've heard of Terms of Endearment. I saw a play version of that. Interesting. Which was pretty cool. Yeah. And then I know of Sleepaway Camp. I've never seen it. I have seen Sleepaway Camp. Yeah. It is something. Yeah, I've heard it's like fun. Yeah. Not necessarily good. It's it's good in the like classic horror sense of good. Like it is, you know, um, practical effects. Yeah. And there are some revenge things that are enjoyable to watch. Yeah. But the story itself is questionable. <laughs> for sure. Or they're just like, we go to camp. Uh-oh, we are dying now. No, if it's the movie I'm thinking of. Oh. Yeah. Oh, it, it came out on the same day as A Christmas Story. Oh, tell ya. Which is funny. What a choice. I know. No, the story of it is that the main character is a little girl and her brother had died previously and so her mom no her sister had died mm. and so her mom decided to raise her as the sister oh but the main character was actually born male okay yeah 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 so yeah, the yeah. mom is raising yeah her as a girl i don't know but the that's that's all very questionable for sure depending on how you look at it it can be seen as she it starts killing people because of that. Yeah. Which I do think we're not doing that movie for this show. So um, <laughs> I won't put too much effort into it. But I mean, there's a lot to be said for that kind of childhood trauma as long as we don't get into, uh, you know, weird trans rights issues. Yeah. You know? Yeah. But 1983, eh, what are you going to do? That's what happened to J.M. Barry, the mm-hmm. guy who wrote Peter Pan. Oh. His older brother died. And his mom just dressed him in his brother's clothes and started calling him by his brother's name and like oh. just oh we talked about this when we covered Hook yeah yeah absolutely wild it's like go to therapy lady yeah that's still a whole person with his own identity and name she was like no no you're Edward now or whatever it was like <laughs> poor rough. kid yeah. yeah that's hard it is so in lieu of there being much more information about the pop culture of 1983 because mm-hmm. there wasn't a whole lot going on you know mm-hmm. it was just michael jackson yep <laughs> <laughs> i looked into the video game crash of 1983 yes tell me more it was the large-scale recession in the industry that occurred from 83 to 85 and primarily in the united states so a few things contributed to it and also i will preface this by saying we almost lost all video games in 1983 like that industry almost just entirely went under which is That's, so wild to think about now I, it's almost it's, unimaginable to think about now like when we when we did rescuers and we talked about how like rescuers was like a disney's like gasp at being like well we're so we want to be relevant and it's yeah. like disney yeah disney almost went under right <laughs> crazy i know so a few things contributed to the crash First, the flooding of the market. So the Atari video computer system was the most popular second generation console by a wide margin, which it's also funny to think that it's a second gen console in 1983. Yeah. Because <laughs> the very first one, I guess, was just Pong. Yeah, that was on the Atari, right? The, yeah, the original one, but this is the video computer system, which is the one after that. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So in 1980, Atari's licensed version of Space Invaders became like the biggest game 
In the U.S., sales of the VCS quadrupled, and the game was the first title to sell more than a million copies. Okay. So spurred on by this success, other companies started to make consoles. Yeah. So, And each new console had its own library of games produced exclusively by the console maker, while the Atari VCS also had a large selection of titles produced by third-party developers. Okay. So in the beginning, the people who made the console were the only people who made games. Gotcha. And then as this has started to develop and other companies are like, ooh, we can get in on that, they would make a console. But then other companies would be like, we just want to make video games. So in 1982, analysts marked trends of saturation, mentioning that the amount of new software coming in would only allow for a few big hits and that retailers had devoted too much floor space to systems and that price drops for home computers could result in an industry shakeup. Mm-hmm. So basically that people were buying these because home computers are still really unaffordable. Yeah. And this was the only way we could have electronic entertainment. Yeah. In 1983, an analyst for Goldman Sachs stated that the demand for video games was up 100% from 1982. Whoa. But the manufacturing output had increased by 175%. Ew. And creating a significant surplus. Mm. So prior to 1979, like I said, there were no third-party developers. So only the console manufacturers were publishing all the games for their platforms. Mm -hmm. But this changed with Activision, which was founded in 1979, which is also wild to think about. Yeah. Activision was founded by four Atari programmers who left the company because they felt that Atari's developers should receive the same recognition and accolades, specifically in the form of sales-based royalties and public-facing credits, as the actors, directors, and musicians working for other subsidiaries of Warner, which who owned Atari at the time. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Like we and they do now really hard. Yeah, to make this. Yeah, and I think that it's interesting that this is around the same time that it kind of that kind of happened at Disney, like the the big exodus from Walt Disney Animation. Yeah, and that these guys were also like, you know what? Fuck this big company. We're gonna start our own. Yeah, yeah. What what year did uh, We're Not Gonna Take It by Twisted Sister come out? They were all just like, listen to that song. And they're like, yeah. you know what? Yeah. Absolutely. I wonder if there's a correlation also with, um, what's the name? Of Running of the Bulls, the Rage Against the Machine song. Oh, yeah. The fuck you, I won't do what you tell me. <laughs> yeah. That song. I wonder if there's another industry shakeup that same year. Yeah, we was just like, oh, well, oh Actually, I, am, I will not do. <laughs> So as we kind of already mentioned, the oversaturation of the market really contributed also. So by 1982, Activision's success emboldened numerous other competitors to penetrate the market. (laughs) Penetrate. (laughs) (laughs) So other third-party companies started to sprout up. Mm -hmm. However, the founder of Activision observed that several of these companies were supported by venture capitalists attempting to emulate the success of Activision. So they weren't really like that devoted to the industry sure it didn't have passion for it they just saw this like emerging market and wanted to get in on the ground floor yeah so without the experience and skill of activision's team these inexperienced competitors mostly created games of poor quality and they largely relied on industrial espionage in their attempts to gain market share they would poach each other's employees they would reverse engineer each other's products they would like straight up go in and steal secrets yeah which i just is like that's (laughs) such a wild thing to think about someone should make a movie about that they should yeah just be like i'm just getting hired over here at activision and then yeah hmm. stealing secrets yeah double agent between activision and mattel because <laughs> mattel used to make video games no besides barbie horse adventure yeah <laughs> <laughs> 
So by 1983, an estimated 100 companies were attempting to leverage the CES into a foothold in the market. So oh, they're no. using computer entertainment systems as a third party without the console. Yeah. And just taking up so much space. So Bill Kunkel, who was a graphic novelist as well as a pioneer of professional wrestling and video game journalism. Sure. That's a fun cross section. It is. He said in January 1983 that companies had licensed everything that moves, walks, crawls, or tunnels beneath the earth. What are you going to do? Present a video game root canal? <laughs> <laughs> Which is like, I feel like we see that in history so many times of people being like, well, we've already done everything. Mm-hmm. You know, so them thinking in 1983 that all parts of video games had already been yeah, tried and licensed and. Yeah. Yeah. Every. Like, here's a list of bad video game ideas that were made into reality. Oh, I'm so excited. Purina made a dog food themed <laughs> game called Chase the Chuck Wagon. Okay. There was a Kaboom like game. I guess Kaboom, the. I don't. Is that a older video game? I don't know. But it was just called Lost Luggage. <laughs> okay. There's a rock band tie in called Journey Escape. Yeah. Which, honestly, I feel like. That's not a terrible idea. I feel like they do that all the time. Like you just play Journey songs? Yeah, or you just play as the band. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's kind of a fun idea. Yeah, I had a game that was like, so there's Elite B Agents, Mm -hmm. which you like tap along to like songs and stuff. And then I had a game that was like that, that was just called Michael Jackson The Experience, and it was just Michael Jackson songs. And that's it? Yup. So it's just like the album? Yup. Just music you didn't play? No, I mean, you still, like, tapped a lot. It was the exact same gameplay, but it was just Michael Jackson songs. Nice. Yeah. And also, the plate-spinning game called Dishaster. (laughs) (laughs) That's... Dishaster. Plate-spinning. That's a really good name, but, like... It is. I feel like the name came first. Yeah. And then they were like, how do we... What do we do with this? Yeah, those are... That's bad. Like, I'm all for, like, a stupid video game. Like, that one that was called Cat Lateral Damage, where you're just a cat and you just try and knock as many things off of a shelf as you can. That's fun. Yeah. Yeah. Like, stupid video games are great. Yeah. But sometimes it's like, I don't think we need to be a dog chasing after some dog food. Yeah, so there's not enough. We need more. Yeah. Yeah. So... With at least 50 different companies in this new marketplace and each having produced between 1 and 2 million cartridges, along with Atari's own estimated 60 million cartridges in 1982, there was over 200% production of the actual demand for cartridges, which contributed to the stockpiling of unsold inventory during the crash. Yeah. People just had piles and piles of games. Yeah. There was also a lot of competition from home computers because as the whatever smart man previously assumed that the price would decrease and people would be buying those more than consoles. So the result. Planning for your next trip, elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway. Like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah. 
at Plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas, big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Is that many publishers quickly folded these like little tiny startups that were putting out shitty video games. They're like, ah, oh, well, we tried. We'll go. Yeah. And the retail stores were unable to return the unsold games because the publishers had shut down. Sure. So stores marked down the titles and placed them in discount bins and on sale tables. So recently released games, which initially sold for $35, which is $99 in 2021 money. Oh my God. Which games today only sell for like 70 Yeah. So that's also wild that they were so expensive. Yeah. But they put them in bins for $5. Oh, wow. Which is $14 today. Yeah. Ah, uh, money. <laughs> so the bargain sales of poor quality titles also drew sales away from the more successful third-party companies due to poorly informed consumers being drawn by price to purchase the bargain titles rather than quality. Sure. And I'm sure many people bought them and were like, mm, video games are stupid. Right. Because they're only playing the shitty ones. I'm just spinning plates. <laughs> Keep dropping them. This is a disaster. <laughs> disaster. Disaster. A disaster. <laughs> <laughs> So the U.S. video game crash had two long-lasting results. The first result being that the dominance in the home console market shifted from the U.S. to Japan. Mm -hmm. The crash did not directly affect anything in Japan, but it still came as a surprise there and created a lot of repercussions that changed their industry. And so they call it the Atari shock. Yeah. We call it the video game crash and they call uh, it the Atari shock. Like, it's your fault. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Don't blame the video games. So within one month in 1983, two new home consoles were released in Japan. The Nintendo Famicom, which is actually the NES, the Nintendo Entertainment System here, okay. yeah. which didn't come out here until 1985. Yeah. And also Sega's first console, which was the SG-1000. Ah. And these two consoles were super popular in Japan, and they were buoyed by an economic bubble in Japan. So we were fucking struggling over here because mm -hmm. we were also in an economic downturn at the time. And Japan was like, hello. Eh, She's like, we're doing great. Why don't you just let us take over? Yeah, like, we're fine. We'll send it to you in a, in a little while. So a second highly visible result of the crash was the advancement of measures to control third-party development of software. Because using secrecy to combat industrial espionage had failed to stop rival companies from reverse engineering the Mattel and Atari systems and hiring away their trained game programmers. Mm -hmm. So Nintendo saw that and started to institute a strict licensing policy for the NES that included equipping the cartridge and console with lockout chips, which were region-specific region and had to match in order for the game to work. Okay. Which I didn't realize that had happened so that early. Yeah. Like, I knew that that happened on the PlayStation, but I didn't realize the NES was also that way. No. So, as Nintendo prepared to release the Famicom in the United States, it wanted to avoid both the bootleg problem it had in Asia, because apparently in Asia, people were bootlegging the shit out of Nintendo games. As well as the other market mistakes that had led up to the 1983 crash. So they had two years yeah. before they really like moved into the U.S. market to mm -hmm. look at what we had done wrong and make sure that they didn't do it. Yeah. So the company created the 10 NES system, which is the lockout chip designed to prevent cartridges made without the chip from being played on the NES. Mm -hmm. It was not perfect because obviously people figured out how to bypass it eventually, but it did sufficiently allow Nintendo to strengthen its publishing control to avoid the mistakes Atari had made and initially prevent bootleg cartridges in the Western markets. So it wasn't perfect, but it gave them enough 
time. Yeah, to like get a, a foothold yeah. and be like, we're the, you know, mm-hmm. we're the trusted authority here. Exactly. Okay. So these strict licensing measures backfired somewhat after Nintendo was accused of monopolistic behavior. Uh-huh. But obviously they're fine. And in the long run, this pushed many Western third-party publishers, such as Electronic Arts, away from Nintendo consoles and supported competing consoles, such as the Sega Genesis or the Sony PlayStation. Because Nintendo would allow you to license a game. Like, third-party developers can still make games for Nintendo. Right. But they have to pay... You have to go through Nintendo. You have to go through Nintendo, and you have to pay, like, a 30% fee and, like, a bunch of stuff. So that's why EA was like, no. Yeah. (laughs) We're going to go over here. Yeah. So that makes sense why you'll see games that are like on Xbox and PlayStation, but it doesn't go over to the Wii. Mm-hmm. Although I'm pretty sure that EA now is like, okay, well, you can play FIFA. Yeah. On your Wii. Yeah. Or whatever is. There's a lot more sharing Switch. now than there used to be. For sure. But yeah, for a long time, it was like, I have to have one of each console or I can't play all the games I want. Yeah. Yeah. But I mean, you can play Skyrim on Switch now. Nice. You know, so. <laughs> Didn't know that. Yeah. This is the future liberals want. (laughs) Future I want. What? So now that we've established, now that video games are hugely popular, Mm. probably not going anywhere. I hope not. What is like a company that you think should make (laughs) like a video game, like Purina style? Oh, God. What they can be like, these people have no business making a video game (laughs) and I want this video game. Oh, okay. So not Purina. No, no. But maybe like Tampax. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah you have to like go buy the right tampons <laughs> for your cranky girlfriend yeah. <laughs> just based on the hints that she gives you yeah you yeah. have to pick up snacks mm-hmm. you have to get the right snacks but you also have a time limit <laughs> <laughs> and a budget yeah but you can pick up some side jobs so you can buy better tampons <laughs> are you playing uber driver the video game <laughs> yeah i gotta buy better tampons <laughs> I want my girlfriend to like me. <laughs> Hell yeah. What? You got any ideas? No. <laughs> no, no, I can't. Oh, I was thinking, actually, I was thinking the, um, is it Amika? Like hair products? Mm-hmm. That you, that would be fun. I just have like a little salon. Oh, yeah. Video game. But that would actually be like That'd a be good cute. time. Yeah. And there's plenty of like makeover. Yeah. You'd be playing makeover games. I do. I've seen true. it. I, one of my, uh, I used to, I still love like Diner Dash. Oh, yeah. And my ex-boyfriend used to make fun of me. He'd be like, you get off work and then you go play a video game where you have a job. <laughs> I was like, yeah, yeah, but like, I can quit anytime. <laughs> right, yeah. <laughs> I also, just Animal turn Crossing. It off and leave. Yeah. Animal Crossing and Stardew Valley. I love both of those. And I they're know. just chores the it's, game. Oh, I know. There's this one game for the GameCube that's called Chibi Robo that is very cute. But you are like a five inch tall robot and you literally go around like, washing dishes and scrubbing paw prints off the floor and folding laundry and i was playing it i was like this is fun but i'm ignoring <laughs> the real life dishes and the laundry that i need to do yeah it's more fun when it's cute it's true my laundry ain't cute no nope so anyway that's my rant about video games nice i can't believe they almost died i know I just, imagine a world in a world it is funny that they almost died because they were too excited. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, whoa, hey, whoa. Let's throttle it back a little bit. Yeah. And like Walt Disney almost died because they only put out a movie every four years. Yeah, they weren't excited Disney enough. Animation. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, only every four years and they it's gambled true. so much. Complete opposite problems yeah. where video games was like, 
what is it? We'll make it. Literally anything. Mm-hmm. Make a video game. Slap a label on it. And we'll make it. And Disney was like, we got to be real choosy here. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, yeah, but it's a, like an old man who's choosing these titles. Yeah. Who maybe isn't in touch with the world anymore. Yeah. Maybe John Lasseter wouldn't have left to start Pixar. Who knows? Well, I know, but can you imagine if he hadn't? I know. I'm glad he did. <laughs> Me too. <laughs> anyway. Anyway, what else happened in 1983? Very interesting. Oh, you know, uh, some books came out. Oh, I like books. Um, The Color of Magic, which is the first book in Terry Pratchett's Discworld series, hmm. was released. And also Pet Cemetery. Yeah. Which is so good. Yeah. Also, Christine came out earlier that year. Oh, nice. I know. Stephen King has just always been like mm, two books a year. Is oh, he just good cranks it out. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> there's this really great. I don't. I don't even. I don't know what the venue was, but like George R. R. Martin and Stephen King are like sharing a stage together and talking about writing. And Martin is just like, do Do you ever like you know you sit down in front of your typewriter and you stare at it for a while and then you get up and you prune your hedges and then you know you make some toast and then you come back and you look at it and you just think like maybe I'm no good and I shouldn't have ever started writing again like or I should have. Yeah. Shouldn't have ever started writing. And Stephen King's just like, no. <laughs> it's like, I don't have this issue. I write five novels a year. It's true. Yeah, if you read his book on writing, uh, he basically is just like, if you want to be a good writer, you just you have to do it every day. You just sit down and write. Even if it's bad, you mm-hmm. have to do it. I feel like he chains himself to his yeah. keyboard and it's just like. I mean, that's fine until you start writing the same book three yes. and four times and it's like you you can slow down you're like an 80 year old man yeah sorry stephen king if you're listening i love you <laughs> we don't, do love you don't ever stop writing but like no. i think he just got so big that his editors were like i mean even if it's not good it'll sell you know yeah because it has his name on it i know and i think I just want it to be probably back in the day they were harsher and were like oh for sure no let's make this better yeah and now they're like that's great who is this? Oh, Stephen King. Yeah, whatever. Yeah, whatever. yeah. Just send it up. Don't even proofread. A cookbook sounds good. <laughs> Honestly, I'd read a Stephen King cookbook. <laughs> <laughs> Wait a minute. Hang on. Hang on. Um, call him up. Call him up. Okay. Yeah, and then you know there was uh, some TV on different strokes, facts of life. I found a website that has all the TV listings. Ooh, what else was on? By I put in eleven eighteen nineteen eighty three. Uh huh. Um, on ABC at 8 p.m., you could have watched Benson, whatever that is. Don't know. At 8.30, Webster. Okay. From 9 to 10 was Lottery. <laughs> <laughs> and at 10 p.m. was Matt Houston. Who was that? I don't know. On CBS, the Dukes of Hazard. Nice. Was on, followed by Dallas, followed by okay. Falcon Crest. Okay. On NBC, uh, Mr. Smith, and that is followed by Jennifer Slept Here. I don't know any of that. No. Um, some shows that aired outside of primetime. Those are all the primetime shows. Okay. We also had All My Children, One Life to Live, General Hospital, and Ryan's Hope, which were all... <laughs> I know. I was yelling so about operas. this off air. I cannot believe that some of the... General Hospital and like One Life to Live and As the World Turns... They're all still on television. I know. I saw a commercial for one the other day. I was like... Huh? How can they still? Those people are all dead. They're just like, well, they're children. They, they're yeah. whatever. They just keep uh-huh. talking about these people and they bring in new people. And mm-hmm. I just mm-hmm. also Family Feud came on in the okay. afternoon. Yeah, it's also As the World Turns, which is the one that my mom watched. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Price is Right, of course, has been on forever. Yeah, Guiding Light, which I'm pretty sure was also a soap, a soap opera. opera. Yeah, I think so. And The Young and the Restless. Yeah, Late Night with David Letterman. 
Yeah. Came on NBC, Different Strokes, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Wheel of Fortune, mm-hmm. Days of Our Lives. Mm-hmm. <laughs> the Tonight Show with Johnny Carson was still on in oh, 83. Wow. Yeah. Which, when I think of Johnny Carson, I think of like... 60s? Yeah, 60s and 70s. Yeah. So I guess he was still going. His old man. Yeah. Oh, also the match game in Hollywood Squares. Ooh. So, mm-hmm. Yep. Nice. A lot of stuff that I don't know about. I mean, I love different strokes. I watched, I think, every episode of that. Yeah. But other than that. Yeah. I got stuck watching a Facts of Life marathon on television one time in high school because I was at my friend's house for a sleepover and she fell asleep and I didn't know how to work her TV because I had too many buttons. <laughs> oh, no. And so I was watching Facts of Life. It was one of those where it's like, well, if you want satellite, you got to go. And then if you and I was like, we have six channels at my house. Yeah, I don't. I don't know how this works. And so I was just like, I guess I'm watching Facts of Life. I mean, when I go stay like in a hotel or an Airbnb that has like cable or satellite or whatever, I I don't know how to use it. No. I'm st- yeah, I still I honestly still am like, like w- take me to the Roku channel and yeah. I'm good. Thank you. <laughs> right? Why are there four remotes for this one TV? I don't understand. I just need one. It's too much, too much content. Exactly. Hell yeah. I went and looked one of my favorite shows as a youth to see if it was on at this time but it actually stopped airing in 1983 mm. which was really sad but it was chips oh which is yeah california highway patrol mm-hmm. <laughs> just fucking eric estrada yeah i was like as a motorcycle cop yes. yep i, I loved that I show like... as a kid i gotta add one time that was it was just like a clickbait one but it was like celebrities and their famous parents and it was a picture of bruno mars next to eric estrada and i was like it's easily googleable <laughs> googleable to know that that's not his dad like, I guess they kind of sort of look a little bit alike. I don't know. I love the ones funny. that are like, you'll never guess which celebrities are gay. And it's a picture of a well-known not gay celebrity. Right. <laughs> like, oh. It's like, you know, if you click on it, it's like, not this one. <laughs> LOL. But Elton John is. Did you know? <gasps> yes. I know. Sorry for outing you, Elton. <laughs> Poor Elton. I googled chips to see yeah. when it came out. The top hit is chips the show wikipedia mm-hmm. and then images is just a bunch of pictures of potato chips yes. like right underneath it <laughs> so yeah what uh what a year what a year i have two other things that don't go anywhere oh okay and i just thought they were interesting this one i couldn't find an exact date on but i thought it was cool to know that in 1966 dick schulze mm. schulze probably schultz schultz Founded Hysterio Store called The Sound of Music, but in 1983 he renamed it Best Buy. What? And started the current chain of home electronics stores. Damn. The Sound of Music is a cool name for a record store. Yeah, I know. Hysterio Store. He decided he wanted to shift from just selling records to teenagers to appealing <laughs> to their parents who buy expensive things. <laughs> Sorry, I. I was not following you. And it's like, he wanted to shift from selling records to teenagers. <laughs> I sell teenagers now. <laughs> I was like, what? No, okay, wait. No, he was selling I got the it. records to teenagers. <laughs> to the teenagers. Yeah, yes. yeah, yeah. Say it really fast. And also something that is only interesting to me, but on November 6, 1983, a businessman, Vidal Sassoon, wed athlete and fashion model, Jeanette Hartford Davis. Nice. And I only mention this because Vidal Sassoon invented the French Bob and I love him and I named my fish after him. Yeah. I don't know what I thought it was, but I remember hearing the name Vidal Sassoon like as a child, you know, the commercials yeah. for it and stuff. I didn't know his name was Vidal. I know. That's just his name. Yeah. 
He is such a cool person. I had to read about him before I named my fish after him just in case he was a shitty guy. Mm. And he actually grew up extremely impoverished, became a hairdresser's apprentice at 14 and worked his way up because he was just so good at it. And he became the first internationally sold hair care brand. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Mm Mm-hmm. That is cool. So he was even cooler than you thought. Yeah. Make sure he doesn't suck. Oh. And he donated lots of money to like good things, you know? So I was like, great. Yeah. Where's he from? Uh, England? With a name like Vidal. I think he's English. Vidal Sassoon. (laughs) It just sounds like such a fake name. Yeah. He's he's British. Yeah. That's a real name. Nice. Vidal Sassoon. Nice. I wonder, I call my fish sassy sometimes. I wonder if anybody ever called him sassy. Only once. <laughs> no one ever did it again. So yeah, that's the whole that's the whole month. That's it. That's everything interesting that ever happened. Yeah. Video games almost died. Best Buy was founded. Vidal Sassoon was wed and Thriller was released. Thriller came out. That's enough. That's that's enough. Yeah. It's a month. lot going on. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Well, there was also one more exciting thing going on that we will talk about next week. I know you're very excited to talk about it. I'm very excited. <laughs> I'm excited to listen. Because people are crazy. <laughs> yeah, next week is Gonna be an interesting one. Yeah. Meat Wedge pulled a bucket snake. I did. I I went deep (laughs) into the internet. But you have to wait for next week for that to come out. So in the meantime, if you want to talk to us, you can do that on Instagram or Tumblr at Replay Rewind Podcast. Or you can email us at replayrewindpodcast at gmail.com. And you can check out all of our other episodes on Stitcher, Spotify, Google, and Apple. And I got an email from Amazon Music that was like, hey, we have podcasts now for free. So oh, I'm, I might sign up for that. We might be on there, too. I don't know. Yeah, I didn't realize we weren't, I guess. I don't know. I don't know how things work. <laughs> I'm not in charge of that part. <laughs> nah, that's okay. <laughs> we like, might be. I'm just over here edi- editing. Exactly. It's like, I don't know where this goes. So go, yeah, go check that out. And if you want some bonus content, you can join our Patreon. It is uh, patreon.com slash replay rewind podcast. Lots of bonus episodes to catch up on. We also have a coffee page, which is ko-fi, and you can buy individual bonus episodes if you do not want to commit to the monthly Patreon. And that's it. Yeah. We got some physical shit over on the coffee too magnets oh, and yeah, stickers yeah, yeah. and stuff so go check it out all the links that you need are on our instagram page so that's a good place to start in the meantime stay fresh cheese bags and don't forget to reduce reuse recycle replay and re Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.